You're listening to a live service from Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Thank you, singers and musicians, for your help tonight while you're standing. You can grab your Bible and go with me uh, this evening to the book of Galatians, the great book of Galatians in chapter number 5. And uh, not often that I preach on Sunday evening, but I sure enjoy when I get to. And, and uh, Galatians chapter number 5 is where we're going to be at tonight. I know Pastor Brian already mentioned but it is an honor to have Brother Reeves with us tonight, and we thank him for coming. I don't never remember not knowing Brother Reeves, <laughs> but uh, we're glad that he's here this evening uh, to be in service with us. Galatians number five, and uh, I know it's, it's going to be kind of indirect, my text indirect from where I'm taking it, but I want to look at verses number seven and verse number eight. Galatians chapter five. Verse number 7 and verse number 8. I was here this afternoon and just praying. And uh, I just felt brought back to this scripture. And just a challenge for us tonight. And so I want to try my best to leave that with you. Galatians 5, 7 and 8. The Bible says this. You did run well. Who did hinder it? You, you should not obey the truth. This persuasion cometh not of him who has called you. And I want to read it again, it being so short. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion or decision did not come of him that called you. And I want to minister. I'm going to, I'm going to leave you with a question as we start or we end our Sunday and we uh, start the week tomorrow morning on Monday morning. I just want to leave you with a question and a thought, and that is simply this. What does hinder you? What does hinder you? In regards to the things of God, what is it that would hinder you? Will you bow your head and will you help me pray that God would help us to minister tonight? Father, we love you and we thank you, God, again for your presence. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to gather together with your people and just to lift up the name of Jesus Christ. God, I'm asking you to anoint our ears to properly hear, our hearts, God, to receive tonight, God, and anoint my lips to deliver your already anointed word. I'm asking you to do something I can't do, and that is, God, Lord, to move upon the hearts of every individual, every family that is represented here tonight, God. And I pray this question, God, would draw us to you, God, would cause us to do a little soul-searching tonight, a little heart-searching, Lord. And Lord, I'll be very careful to give you all of the praise, all of the glory, and all of the honor in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody says, Amen. I won't be before you a long time tonight, I don't feel, uh, but there is a question that I want to leave with you that I, I want to, in your spirit, upon your heart, something for you to think about and maybe, uh, just maybe, will challenge you and encourage you in your growth with the Lord. You know, as, as a pastor, I will never come to a place where I'm not encouraging you, encouraging your faith. I'm here to, in one way or another to edify, and the word edify, I don't let it be a big word to you. It simply means to build up. But I'm here to be a person, a messenger that can build up your faith. And we build up our faith or we build up your faith as pastors, as teachers. 
We're here to build up your faith by revealing the truth to you uh, in, in a deeper way. There ought to be constant. Don't, don't ever overlook the gifts that you have in a church, and that's why it's important for us to come together in a church to take, uh, to take advantage of the gifts that God has given us. There are those that are called to be pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets, and so we should take advantage uh, of that. And as we come together, we are here to uh, bring out revelation in the Word, to reveal Christ to you more, and to reveal to you what Jesus, exactly what He has accomplished for us on the cross of Calvary, or what He has made available to us. Now we know we believe in the Trinity. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But we know that God had a plan, Jesus carried out that plan, and that the Holy Spirit is the third part of a triune Godhead that is here to reveal us and to bring us into all truth. Jesus said, John 16, He's going to take that which is mine and He's going to show it unto you. And the way that He does that is that we as believers must keep our faith in Christ and what He has done for us on the cross of Calvary and it gives the Holy Spirit complete latitude to work in our heart, work in our life and to do what He wants to do to accomplish what God intends to accomplish in our life. I want to tell you tonight, God is not through with you. I don't care how long you've served God. I don't care how many hundreds of years you've been saved. God is not done with you. You're not polished. We're not perfected. We've not learned all that we can learn. We've not know all the truth that we can know. God is not done with us. We are forever learning as long as our learning is founded upon the foundation of Christ and what He has done for us on the cross of Calvary. And as a pastor, I will never quit encouraging you. I love our word of encouragements that we started doing on a Sunday night. Brother Shea stepped up here and encouraged us. We've been encouraged on Sunday nights when different ones would step up here and give us a word of encouragement. Either they give us a personal testimony of what they, the Lord has done for them, but in one way or another, we are encouraged. And in the day, the hour we live in, I don't know speak to me uh, about me and not you tonight, but I need a little encouragement. I need a little encouragement. Listen, life is going to turn you to something. And so when life is turning me, I hope that I'm encouraged to turn to the Lord. But I won't never quit encouraging. I won't never quit pushing you. Ask the ministry team. I push them. Because I, I want them to I want to see their potential in the Lord. I don't want them to get comfortable and just where they're at. But I want to push them. Ask Sister Megan. She was the one that said, I, <laughs> I will never, I will never get up in front of the people and minister. Yeah, she said that before she got up before you probably 12 times now. Asked me to get up there and I'll punch you. She hadn't punched me. She just got up there and done what she's done. I won't quit pushing you. You got something to offer. I'm going to. I want, I, want to, I want you to be able to give it to the people. God's give you something, and I, I want you to be able to give it to the people. I want to see growth in relationship. As a pastor, I want to see uh, you growing in the things of God. 
I want to see you growing in worship. Our worship ought to change as we mature in God. The Lord said that true worshipers will worship me in spirit and in truth. And we ought to long to worship God in spirit and in truth. We ought to be able to move when the Holy Spirit is moving and quench not the Holy Spirit of God. I want to see you mature in your worship and mature in your involvement in the things of the Lord. And even as a church, here's a new term I come up with and I shared it maybe with just the ministry team, but as a new church, I pray that you have a desire to become an active church service member. I want you to be active in your church service. I don't want you to be uh, out of order. I don't want you to be make a scene. But I also don't want you just to come in and to be comfortable sitting on a seat. And everybody around you wondering if there's any life in you. Amen. I mean, you're either encouraging people to worship or you're encouraging them to sit tight. Amen. Imagine if you're sitting on a pew with people that is sitting there like we just eat a lemon and we're mad. Now imagine moving up one row and you're sitting there and everybody on that, that row is lifting their hands and worshiping Jesus. You're going to be encouraged. Brother Joey uh, encouraged us last Sunday night or we are, are either going to move out in faith or we're going to be moved by the crowd. Now I know none of us are persuaded by those that are around us. But we are anyway. But an active church service member is somebody that encourages those around us to be an active witness for the Lord. Think about what I've just said. Are we an active church service member? Are we encouraging visitors? I'm preaching good. Are we encouraging visitors? Are we active about the things of the Lord? Sometimes it's difficult to worship when we're the only ones and... I'm preaching good. But when everybody is worshipped, can you imagine a service where everybody came in and their mind was on receiving from God? And the praise and worship team didn't have to pump and prime. They got up here and they just, uh, they started out, uh, once like a bird, in prison I dwelt. And everybody started remembering the time that they were bound by sin or bound by drugs. And, and they also, and we got to the place where it said, then Jesus came and listened to me. Glory to God. He set me free. And everybody is worshiping because they're recalling the liberty that they are standing and listen. The difference is light and day when we come in with our mind made up we're going to receive from the Lord God the Holy Spirit has the latitude that he needs to move in our congregation an active church service member sometimes it's difficult when nobody else is but listen we can create and I'm not talking about create because we're going to do it out of just our human emotions but I, I'm talking about coming in with a heart that is hungry for the things of God a heart that desires to receive from the Lord the atmosphere is completely different <laughs> I promise I'll get back to my text in just a minute but do you know that the specific on the day of Pentecost it is specific that the Holy Spirit did not fall until they were in one place in one accord. They were all dwelling upon the same thing. 
I don't know how many was there. The Bible scholars uh, differ from that. But there was over a hundred people there. They were all there. And you know what? They're all of them. All their mind was stayed upon the same thing. They all went waiting for the promise that Jesus had just promised them of. Uh, they wasn't sure about the details. They didn't know how they would act when he fell. Uh, they didn't know what he would do when he came. But one thing they wanted. Uh, they said we're here to receive the promise. Uh, so that we would be empowered to be witnesses. And when he fell, it made an impact on everybody that was around there. Listen, Faith Worship Center, Portia, Arkansas can be changed by a church that desires the moving and operation of the Holy Ghost. They were all in one accord and they all wanted the same thing. And it's crucial as a church that is growing that I encourage you to participate and receive from the Lord in every opportunity. In every opportunity, I'm going to ask a question and I'm going to also ask that you don't answer it. Ever leave a service wishing that you would have went to an altar? Ever left a service and you were wishing that you would have went ahead and raised your hands? Ever left a service and you had a child or you had a family member down praying and you wish you would have walked up there and stood beside them? Ever left a service and the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart and you knew this was the service and you just refused and went home and you know what? You got in the car and you're probably grumpy and mad. I'm preaching good because the Holy Spirit was moving upon your heart, upon your life. You know, before Christ ascended, there's often times we've all left services and we wish we would have probably received a little bit more than what we did. Before Christ ascended, he called the disciples together and he said, freely you have received, now freely give. See, we want to give a lot of times and we haven't received anything to give. <laughs> I need to give somebody, call me and, and they're in need and I need to be the one that gives them. I didn't know they were going to call yesterday and tell me that their marriage is falling apart. But I didn't ever receive anything to give and I can't encourage them. Listen, you don't know when the opportunity is going to call upon you. And when that opportunity comes, you better make sure that you receive something so that you've got something to give somebody. Freely you've received. It didn't cost you anything. He just talked about it. Came to Egypt. We're going to provide the wagons. We're going to provide your clothes, your goods, everything you need. There's nothing that you ever got from the Lord that you earned or deserved. But you freely receive. Now we can freely give. The truth is often we don't receive. Now I can get to my text. Because we are hindered. By something, mostly self, but we're hindered by something. Now I'm going to talk to you. Now you can be quiet. You've already shouted me down. So you can be quiet now, but think about what I'm about to say. Something hinders us. Been a severe situation. I know that, I know that when we start talking about this, we start to touch a little bit of feelings, but that's okay. They stoned Stephen in the Bible, but we're not going to do that tonight. There had been severe situation, and the scripture asked who? It was a work of Satan that hindered them. You know what the word hindered means? It literally means in the original text that you were, that, let me say, we. We were beaten back, literally beat. We were beaten back. 
We were walking in the Spirit. We were growing in our relationship with the Lord. And all of a sudden, something hindered and came facing me and kept beating me back and back and back until it began, it created, and again, I'm going back to original text. Please look it up and don't take my word for it. A simple Strong's will take you there. That it put my relationship with God in a reversing position. Now I'm, instead of walking and getting closer to the Lord, I'm going backwards with God. I'm not growing in God. There's a hindrance that beat me back. And now I'm going the other way. I'm actually in a backslidden position. And I want to tell you, according to the Old Testament, backslidden position doesn't mean that you are walking backwards. Backslidden means you've stopped. The oxen locked their hawks up and refused to go forward. You're backslidden way before you start going backwards. When you refuse to go forward, you are in a backslidden position. Look, before you go, go back, you got to stop going forward. And so they, we were in a backslidden position, beaten back, a reversal direction. And I want you to know, I have had phone calls that have made my mouth drop. I'll never make light of somebody's position. I'm not going to ask you specifically to come and answer me, what is it that has beaten you back? Uh, to be honest with you, I'm an open ear. I'll sit and listen to you, but I probably don't want to know. I probably don't want to know. But if I ask you, what is it that has hindered you? What is it that has beaten you back? What is it that has put you in a place where you no longer have a desire to grow in the things of the Lord? It ought to make you question your heart. It ought to make you look. I know that people have suffered things as a children. I know that people have suffered things as adults. I, I, I know people have been hurt by church. I know people have been betrayed by pastors. I understand all of this. I don't know what it is. I can tell you this. I'm not making light of it. Whatever it is, it was detrimental to you enough that it quit allowing me to have a desire to move forward in the things of God. I'm not here listening to what I'm about to say. I'm not going to be before you long. I'm asking you a question. What has hindered you? I didn't come tonight to tell you to get over it. I didn't come tonight to tell you to just go on. I didn't come tonight to tell you to just come to an altar. I didn't do that. I'm not here tonight to just tell you to give it to Christ without telling you how to give it to, the, to Christ. I'm not telling you tonight to start worshiping like I do. That's not why I'm here. But I am here to ask you. What is it that hindered you? Because if we can deal with that, and you go on with your walk with God, everything else is going to fall in place. I want to tell you, if there's a hindrance that beat you back, that hindrance as a stronghold was also included when Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary. When Christ died upon the cross of Calvary, and he broke the very power of sin, he also broke the power of that hindrance that has beat. I like to think about it like this, because the hindrance beat me back. I was once in a position here, and all of a sudden it kept beating, 
and beating and beating and reversing my position with the Lord. And all of a sudden, my big brother Jesus stands up and goes to beating that hindrance right back. Listen, when he went to the cross of Calvary, when John announced and recorded in his gospel, it is finished, that included your hindrance. There is no hindrance that is great enough to keep you from growing in the Lord. There is no hindrance great enough that can keep you out of ministry. There is no hindrance great enough that can hinder your worship. There is no hindrance great enough that can reverse your position. Because once I place my faith in Jesus and what He's done for me on the cross of Calvary, my power source, uh, the power of the Holy Ghost, is greater than every hindrance that could ever come against me. I'm preaching good. Now, Jesus paid for liberty. And to do that, He had to destroy every hindrance. To the church of Galatia, I moved to my text. He quickly jumps into the phrase, if we back up to chapter number one, I want you to think about this. Paul meets, he greets them by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in verse number six, man, he gets straight to the point. Just about anybody in a church would have got up and walked out at verse number six. I marvel that you are so soon removed from the gospel that was once delivered unto you. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel. In verse number 7, watch this. He says, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. I want to back up to verse number 6. He says this, I marvel. In other words, I'm, I'm astonished. I'm amazed that you would be removed from the gospel of grace and faith. The situation is this. Paul already gave them the gospel of the revelation of Jesus Christ. He already come and explained to them grace and faith in Christ and what Jesus has done on the cross of Calvary. He explained it to them in great detail as he did everywhere else he went. The revelation of what Christ has done for us on the, on the cross of Calvary. The gospel is simply this is what he told them. The gospel is this. We place our faith in Jesus as the Son of the living God and what He done for us on the cross of Calvary, Christ and Him crucified. And the moment we place our faith in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary, the power of the Holy Spirit begins to work in our heart, in our life, to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what He told them. Because nobody yet got saved And didn't want to be changed. Didn't want to be different. The old man's dead. And when we were raised up in the newness of life. We were raised up resurrected. And listen. When we are crucified with Christ. Buried with Christ. The power of sin broken. And we're raised up in the newness of life. Here's where we're at. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. There is nobody that got saved, that started living for God, that experienced this born-again experience, that had a desire to go back to the former things. No, sir. No, ma'am. I don't believe you. There's no drug addict that's been delivered by drugs that wanted to go back to that bondage. No alcoholic that has a desire to go back to that bondage. They've been delivered. They've been set free of the power of sin. 
They reverted back to legalism or law or works, which much of the church has done today. Much of the church has done it and not realizing that they have done it. Not understanding grace, the divine influence of the Holy Spirit and the reflection in one's heart. They reverted back to legalism, which would cut them off. Listen, the way I began is I placed my faith in Christ and what he did for me on the cross of Calvary. Colossians 2 and 6, as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk you in him. I begin by faith. I walk by my faith in Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Christianity is not a list of rules and regulations. It's not. Christianity is a one-on-one relationship with Christ. And once you place your faith in Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary, then the Holy Spirit begins to move on your heart. And let me tell you something. The things he wants to talk to you about individually, I don't want somebody else knowing what he's talking to me about. Because he's dealing with the depths of my heart, the filthiness of my heart. Christianity is when I place my faith in Christ and I begin a relationship with him. And now, every day, I'm dependent upon Grace, or got to define it, divine influence of the Holy Spirit to lead me, guide me, and direct me into all truth. So the apostle here was talking about, and he laid this out to them, but they reverted back to legalism. Because much of the church says you get saved by your faith in Christ and what he did on the cross of Calvary. Now here's what you need to do. Here's what you need to do. Well, how do you be free? Well, this is what you do. This is what you do. This is what you do. It's all about what you do. He already did everything that needs to be done. You just need to keep believing in what he done on the cross of Calvary is sufficient. Listen, if he can save you, if he can take you as a sinner that is on his way to a devil's hell, take your black heart of sin, wash it in red blood, and bring it out white as snow. If he can, Romans 6, baptize you into Christ, baptize you into his death, into his burial, and raise you up a new creation. You tell me what he can't do. He done all that by faith. We've not even got to works yet. He done all that by faith. He baptized me. He created a new man. And now, why do I want to revert back to works? Works will follow. If you've got proper faith in Christ, the works, if you, go, if you believe right, you'll do right. But I'm not going to tell you what to do. You know why? Because I trust in the process of God. He provided the Holy Spirit to do that. So I'm here to give you truth. And that you place your faith in that truth. So that grace can continue to fall. Now, his letter consisted, and I'll run through this and not spend a lot of time. He certified the gospel as the gospel. He said, I did not confer with flesh and blood. I didn't get this from a man. I went and I got this by revelation of the Lord Himself. This gospel was the gospel. It was not uh, some new thing, and it was not something. Well, it was new to them at that time because they didn't know anything about grace. But it wasn't something that was man-made. His letter, he said, it came not by flesh and blood, but by revelation. He moved in and he openly rebuked Peter, the leader of the, uh, the disciples. He rebuked him. He said, Peter, you're the one to blame. You know better. You've been, you know grace and faith, but now you are teaching them law and legalism. These things should not be. we got to stick with grace and faith. He also used as an example Abraham that would confirm that it's by faith and by faith alone. By faith alone. Abraham was justified by his faith. This was before law. This was before covenant. 
It was by faith and faith alone. That's why Paul would use him, not just here, but in Romans 4. It was by faith and faith alone. He reminds them of the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was to show us that we, within ourselves, could not be good no matter how hard we tried. We were a lawbreaker. I don't know about you, I done broke the law, so I've got to throw my lot into grace. He shows us how legalism put them back under bondage. And in chapter 5, he encourages them to stand fast in the liberty, the liberty that Christ has gave to them because he said, if you don't stand fast in this liberty, Christ has been made of no effect. He's not effective to you. So stand fast in this liberty. Everything Paul had to say was to bring them back to the foundation, which is what the church needs today. We announced it earlier, but I'm going to take a moment just to emphasize it. Starting in January, we're backing up to teach the book of Romans again. And that the book of Romans will change your life. If all Bible scholars, I don't care what denomination, they will agree that it is the ABCs of Christianity. And if we err in the book of Romans, then we err everywhere else. So we need to know the book of Romans. I want to encourage you, bring your notebook. Bring your notebook, pull the seat up, and let's get ready to learn. We, I, I, I've taught it before, and it will change. It will change your life when you begin to unfold the truths of, of the book of Romans. If the foundation is right, then we have everything that we need to have a proper relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, with the proper foundation, I promise I'm coming right back to my text. We have everything we need to run this race that God has asked us to run. We run the race. Now, if we have grace flowing, it will change our worship and it give us a desire from the Lord when the truth begins to prick our heart. And here's where I want to be. Some of you are thinking, why didn't you just get there a while ago? Here's where I really want to be. I want you to think about this. At one time, the Galatians did run well. Paul told them that. You ran well. You did good. You grabbed the hold of grace and faith in Christ and what he did for you on the cross of Calvary. You were doing good. And he asked them a question. Because now they have been hindered. And he said, and their hindrance was false teachers that brought them back under law and legalism. See, listen. You got to be careful who you're listening to, even if it's a preacher teacher. You got to be careful. So I heard a guy say one time, well, it's like eating fish. You got to spit off the bones. Don't try that. You'll get choked on the bone. You got to be careful. These false teachers come in and started giving them legalism, and it brought them back under law and legalism. Listen, I don't mean this in an unkind way. But I've heard people make this statement before. Well, at least they're going to church. That may not always be good. Because law and legalism can actually flare up, revive again the sin nature and the self nature that we were born with. And when we have that, we are set up for failure. We must hear grace and faith. Grace and faith. To build our faith in Christ and what he did on the cross. Can't just hear anything. You got to hear the right, the right gospel. Now, the result was they were beat back. They were pushed back in the relationship with God. 
They were reversed in their direction. They're no longer growing in the Lord. They have frustrated the grace of God, as the apostle would say in Galatians 2, 20 and 21. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Because if you frustrate the grace of God, you cut off the only help that we have. They frustrated the grace of God. And the result was they were brought back under bondage. See, the truth has two outcomes. Listen to what I'm about to say. When you hear a truth and the Holy Spirit has pricked your heart, there's two outcomes. It will either humble you and you will accept it and believe it, or it will harden your heart. Two outcomes. It will either make me pliable and humble, or it will harden my heart. And my friend, you do not want your heart to be hardened. I, I don't mean this in an unkind way, but I'm at no risk at preaching the truth because I mean to move people. Move you up or move you out. And I don't mean that in an unkind way. But I don't want you to be able to sit at Faith Worship Center, live in comfortable in sin, and the Holy Spirit never convict you of it. I'm not doing my job. I mean to move. And the truth has these two outcomes. It will either humble us or it will harden our heart. I want to remind you and I want to ask you the question again. I'm not making light of a situation that would hinder a believer in no way. But oftentimes we create some kind of idea of what's going to happen if I was to surrender my heart to the Lord. I've had people tell me before, well, I would give my heart to God, but I have to change this, 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 and this. Why are we moving to all of that first? First, we got the first business at hand and that is do you believe that you're a sinner do you believe that Jesus is the only way do you believe that by simple faith that you can be born again that's powerful that's the first business at hand but I'm not making light of the situation often we create some kind of idea what it's going to be like if I submit to that how my life is going to change how things are going to be altered and it's easy to get comfortable with a hindrance. Do you know that you can learn to live around a hindrance? Amen. A couple of us knew that. You can learn to live around a hindrance. But Jesus didn't die so that you would live around a hindrance. The better plan is to submit by faith and let God remove the hindrance. And we are opened up. We have available to us all that he has prepared for us. Living for God without a hindrance is not what you think. It's better. I want to take you back and tell you this story, and I'm going to hush. We begin to create some kind of idea of what it's going to be like, what people are going to say or what people are going to do if I submit my heart to the Lord or if I say, God, here's a hindrance, and how my life is going to change. In 2 Kings, there's a story that you, most of you already know, chapter number 7. There was four lepers that sat at a gate, the gate of the Syrian people, the Syrian army. They were lepers. They were there together because, no, they didn't have no other friends. If you were a leper, your friends were lepers, you didn't have friends. They were doomed to die. And they sat at a gate, and the time that they sat at the gate was in the middle of a famine. There was nothing to eat or drink. They had two, two options. They were weighing their time out. 
Do I die by leprosy or do I die by starvation? Which one am I going to die by? And while they're sitting there at the gate, one of them looks at another and says, Why sit we here till we die? Why sit we here till we die? I want you to think about something. You know why they didn't go on in and get something to eat and drink? Because they even talked about it in Scripture. If we go on into the Syrian army and they see us, they're going to take their swords and they're going to begin to kill us. We're going to fall dead by the sword. They're going to murder us and all this kind of thing. They had a whole story created in their head. And then one of them says, well, so what? Why sit here till we die? We're either going to fall by the sword or we're going to die by leprosy. And I'm not having a good time here. Leprosy's not fun. I just soon take my chances and go on into the, into the Syrian army, into their camp, and just see what can happen. They the one got all the food anyway. And one of them said, let's go. And they got up and the Lord honored their faith. God sent a sound as horses that were chariots that was coming. And the Syrian army thought that they were surrounded. And they said, let's get up and let's get out of here. And they got up and they took off and they left their camp. And what they left behind was all of their goods and all of their foods and everything that they had. And when the four lepers got in there and they eased into camp and started looking inside the tents, there was nobody around. They took food and they got their bellies full. They went ahead and took some silver and gold and some clothes and everything else while they was there also. But they got their belly full. They eat and they drink so much. Here's what I want want you to understand. It wasn't like they thought at all. It was better than they thought. (laughs) Nobody raised a sword up against them. Nobody come and uh, tried to murder them. They got their belly full and they got satisfied. They got just exactly what they wanted to get at that moment. They received because they believed. They went up and they got after them. These four lepers, the story they created in their head was all wrong. Because God had a plan. There was a reason that God put it in their heart to go on into the camp. So I just come to ask you a simple question. What would hinder you? Not belittle you. What would hinder you? Beat you back from not receiving from the Lord. What continues to push you back and put you in a reverse direction? Come on, I'm just here to encourage. I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to push you a little bit. Yes, that's my job. But I'm not here to beat you up. But I want you to think about this. Give me five more minutes, but think about what I'm saying. I just want to ask you these questions. When's the last time that you worshipped in true liberty? When's the last time you raised your hands when you wanted to raise your hands and surrender yourself to the Lord? When is the last time? How many times has God moved it upon your heart maybe to go lay your arm around somebody and pray for somebody and we didn't do it? When is the last time That you've been down to an old-fashioned altar and fell across that altar and said, God, here am I. If you'll have me, I'll serve you. When is the last time that you called out to the Lord? Oh, well, I don't got to go down to an altar. I don't got to do this. I can pray right where I'm at. I'm not talking about God not moving upon you right where you're at. I'm talking about you being moved by faith. When's the last time you were not an altar? You mean to tell me you've been coming here A long time and every message we preach, none of them is for you. Is that okay? 
Is that okay? When's the last time you stood with your family? And your family, you've led your family down to an altar and said, I need the church to pray for me because I got a need. When is the last time? And we were moved by the Holy Spirit. I just want to ask you, what hinders you? What is it that has blocked your way? What is it that has beat you back? That has stopped your progress with God? Because by my faith in Christ and what he did on the cross, that hindrance has to break. That hindrance has to break. Listen, Brother Jeff, if you help me, I'm just going to leave you with this question. What is it that hinders your growth with the Lord? I need to quit. What is it that hinders our growth with God? Now, here comes the fight of your life. Here comes the fight of your life. Oh, because just maybe the Holy Spirit has moved upon your heart again. And now the fight is, am I going to get up this time and make that walk and say, God, here am I. I don't want this hindrance any longer. And I place my faith in Christ and what he did on the cross. And I'm asking you to break this hindrance so that I can worship you in liberty so that I can continue in my relationship with the Lord. Now's the fight. Devil's already talking to you. Enemy of your soul's already talking to you. You, want, you kept your seat last time. Why not keep it this time? There'll be another opportunity, another day, another service. But you don't know that. I plan on preaching tonight on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I wanted to preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But about 3 o'clock, this was dropped in my heart. What does hinder you? What hinders you? You did run well. What would hinder you to keep you growing from the Lord? Will this time be the time that you step out, make your way? I'm not asking you to come and stand so that I can pray for you. It's between you and God. This is time you come and say, kneel down to an altar and say, God, let this be a change in my life. Let this be the moment, the opportunity that this hindrance is broken, that I continue to grow in my relationship with the Lord. Would you stand with me tonight? I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me. And close your eyes just for a second. Father, I love you tonight. I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and for your love. And I thank you, Lord, that when you went to the cross of Calvary, you had every hindrance in mind. God, you made a way even to the point that the veil of the temple was opened up. It was rent from top to bottom. There is nothing that can keep your child out of your presence. Though the enemy tries, though the devil continues to try to fight against us, the truth of the matter is what Jesus done on the cross of Calvary is still greater than anything that would hinder me. And Lord, I pray tonight is the night. I'm asking God for something to be broke in somebody's heart and in their life tonight.
And I ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. My altar call is this. Tonight, it ain't nobody's business but you and the Lord. You say, I'm here and I got a hindrance. I've got something. I've been wanting to go. I just haven't. I've been wanting to be more involved. I just hadn't. There's a hindrance that stopped me. But tonight, I want that hindrance to be removed. Would you come? Would you win the fight of your life and get out from your seat and make a walk? Would you come? Would you make the walk tonight? Would you come? Come on, would you come? Tonight's the night. You say, no more. I'm tired of the hindrance. I'm tired of the fight. I'm tired of the block. I'm tired of being beat back. I'm tired of being reversed in my position. I'm tired of being so locked up. I can't. I feel the presence of the Lord tonight. I'm tired of not being able to grow in the Lord. Come on, when's the last time you made the walk to an altar? When's the last time you led your family to an altar? When's the last time that you said, no more devil? No more, no more, no more. But tonight's the night. Uh, come on, would you come? Come on, people are still getting out slowly and making their way to an altar. Come on, would you come tonight? Come on, would you come? What does hinder you? What does hinder you? Will it stand there and beat you back? Or will you push it against it by faith tonight and say, no longer? God, I'm going to serve you. God, I'm going to press toward the mark. God, I'm going for the prize of the high calling of God. Come on, would you come tonight? Come on, would you make your way to an altar? Come on, how long are you going to sit back? I'm going to keep pulling tonight. Come on. Come on, how long are you going to sit back? How long are you going to keep your seat? How tight does your grip got to get on the back of that pew? How long are you going to say, I'm not going? I'm just not going to do it. How many excuses are we going to use that this is just the way I am? How many times are we just going to say, oh, this is just what I'm going to do? No, listen. God has called you. God has moved upon you. God has even pricked your heart. Come on. Would you come? Make your way to an altar and let the Lord touch your heart and your life tonight. Come on, would you come? Come on, many have already come. The altars are full. Would you come tonight? Come on, would you come? If you've got family up here, you ought to be with your family. You ought to encourage them in their walk with the Lord. Come on, why don't you come find somebody and pray with them? Come on, lift them up to the Lord. they got a desire to grow in God. they got a desire to continue the relationship with the Lord. Come on, would you come tonight? My Lord, I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come on, would you come tonight? Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come on, would you come? People are still coming. They're still coming. Why don't you find yourself a place to pray or pray for somebody? Say, my God, help us tonight. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come on, why don't you come and pray tonight? Don't let that hindrance beat you back. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come on, people are still coming. They're still coming tonight. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come on, make your way to an altar. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Lord, move upon the hearts and lives of your people, God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Come on, would you come? Would you pray? Would you call upon the name of the Lord? Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. 
move upon our hearts tonight, God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. If you were blessed by this message, you can find us on Facebook at Faith Worship Center, Porsche, Arkansas. Our contact for prayer or donations is by mail, Faith Worship Center, P.O. Box 296, Porsche, Arkansas, 72457. Through Messenger or PayPal, you can find that link on Facebook also. Thank you and God bless you and your family. <laughs>